Hello, and thank you for joining me, Danny Bate Orr from Simply Do It, to another episode about investing. I bring you content, I hope so, valuable content from the trenches, from doing, from investing. We are not about <clears throat> by, uh, selling products or camps or seminars. We are about taking action, executing, and investing in real estate. <clears throat> Please, I want to apologize about my voice. I'm a little bit under the weather, so that's definitely affecting my voice today. In the past 20 years that I've been investing and helping other invest in real estate, I saw years ago that every phase we are going through in the economy generate a certain question. There's always something that's being mainly asked again and again and again by people, by investors, in, in, a, in a phase of several months. During the 2008-9 era period phase of the recession, the biggest asked questions, because I was there <coughs> holding events, doing seminars and, and webinars, always the biggest asked question was, where is the bottom? Have we reached the bottom? Did we pass the bottom? The bottom, the bottom, the bottom, the bottom. Unbelievable. As if this is the most important thing in life. Where are we today compared to the bottom? And did we pass the bottom, etc.? Today, the biggest asked question that I get in the past multiple weeks, maybe two, three months, is what's going on? Or are we going, you know, are we going into a recession? Um, what, which result to what should I do? And I think, first of all, and this is why I decided to do this episode, I think that a lot of you, like myself to a certain degree, are confused. So I want to divide this episode into several parts. First of all, I want to talk about the negative signs we're seeing these days. Then I want to talk about some of the positive signs we're seeing, which, by the way, causes, both of them are causing the confusion. And then I want to kind of bring it all together to tie it into reality. And then maybe give you some pointers how to go about deciding what you should be doing, right? You specifically, not me, not Joe, not David, yourself. So let's start with the negative sign. So since the beginning of 2022, we are seeing that the stock market is declining, going down quite significantly. Big companies, small companies, there is a correction, you know, being done in the, in the stock market. And this is for us a sign that, you know, a, a sign that we are interpreted as things are going down. Obviously, they're going down, but it's also a sign that we're taking in and looking at it and saying what's going on, you know, generally speaking, but also a lot of you may have been, are possibly are exposed or have interest in the stock market through your companies, through your, or the company's stock value, through your, you know, uh, some uh, stock plan or option plan with a company, through your retirement account. So you're definitely, all of us who have some sort of a exposure to the stock market one way or another, feel poorer today than we are were about a year ago. Obviously, the second thing that uh, you know that we're 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 seeing is that I want to call it 
the layoff effect. But it's not really a layoff effect in the, in, in the bigger scheme of things. It's actually a layoff effect in the smaller scheme of things. Because what we're seeing right now is some companies, and if you look carefully, you see that it's not across the board, every company is announcing it, are announcing some more, some less, are announcing layoffs. If you'd read into beyond the media title or the article title, you will see that typically, or in many cases, the layoff is actually relatively small number. 10%, 5%, few hundred people, few thousand people, you know, in a bigger in a bigger company, which if you really kind of read it through, it sounds maybe when, when a company is saying she's, they're only laying off 5%, which translates to 700 people, that's a lot of people. And if someone is one of those 700 people, that's a, obviously a 100% catastrophe for that person. But if you're looking at it from the economical side of it, with the bigger scheme of things, company that's trimming a little bit fat, maybe rearranging things, maybe getting ready for, for times of things slowing down, 5%, it's not, you know, it makes good headline, but it's not really telling us there are massive layoffs, okay? <clears throat> now, what we are seeing, what I call it the layoff effect, is actually more and more companies are saying, wait, there's some uncertainty where we're heading in terms of the economy, and because of that, we need to prepare ourselves. So what are we going to do? You know what? How about we cease hiring new people for now? So instead of hiring more people, they're saying, let's pause. So it's not laying off, <clears throat> but it's not getting new people on board. Some companies are saying, you know what? Let's cut off traveling expenses because traveling costs a lot and we can accomplish anyway a lot with Zoom. So maybe we should be cutting off on expenses, traveling, other things. So those are definitely signs which in a way are also healthy for a company to do anyway, right? Cutting fat, getting rid, you know, kind of lowering expenses. That's smart regardless what the economy is doing in, in many times. So if I am someone who's reading the headlines, seeing what the stock market is doing, is doing seeing what the you know, the companies, big corporations are doing, I would be like, oh my God, these terrible things are going, you know, going in, in the wrong direction or badly or poorly. And then obviously the media is always frenzying with the trend. If, it, if the, the craziness is going up, they will fuel how builders are saying like crazy. But if the, you know, trend is going down, they will fuel how a builder is going out of job or a company is doing a layoff. Obviously, they always tend to, Amplify that. So this is kind of the negative. On the other side, the positive. What is the positive? Well, inflation is still going high. <clears throat> um, unemployment is still very low. And even here, you, can, you need to read sometimes what the media is saying carefully because sometimes the headline reads only... 205,000 jobs added in October, right? Only, right? Why does it say only? Because the government anticipated that 225, and guys, don't quote me on the numbers, I'm just making the point here, 225,000 jobs will be added in October, and they only added 205, or whatever the numbers are, right? So even when you read 
into that headline, you see that it can easily be manipulated or send the wrong message, right? Bottom line is, you know, I think that in September or October, the results of the unemployment were unemployment went up, right? So there's more people unemployed. And then when you read into the article, it went up from 3.4 to 3.5 or from 3.5 to 3.7, something like that, which again, I get it. It did go up, but come on, it's still super low. And it's a, like it's a, almost the, 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 the change between the, in, in the unemployment is, is smaller than the margin of error of all, every study. So it's cra- a little bit crazy. So it puts things in, in perspective a little bit. So we have inflation still going up. Interest, sorry, uh, unemployment going down, which is a, 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 a positive sign. We have, if you want to read it this way, Fed increasing the rate, which actually indicates the economy is doing well because they want to, the, the increase of the rate is actually a way to slow down the rate of inflation and economy. So it also sends some, some, some sort of a, of, a, of a positive sign. Um, on the top of that, if we're bringing down to more real estate, then you know, real estate related, then we are, we can see, at least for now, that builders are slowing down new construction. Builders are slowing down, meaning builders are not building as quickly as they could up until maybe several months ago. Obviously, the builders are saying affordability is going down, cost between labor, material, etc., is is not gonna is not being you know it's actually going up. So it would be harder for us to sell those houses for the price that is costing us to build them. So they're slowing down. So inventory, in a way, or the rate of new inventory coming into the market is slowing down. Population does not stop increasing because we are seeing in this country two major things. One is that we have birth and babies are born and population is growing obviously on a daily weekly whatever basis so population is increasing just by natural birth and on top of that the u.s is still a very attractive people a place for people to migrate so there's out migration people are coming in so that means the demand for housing is not slowing down it's not going down the demand for housing stays consistent, even goes up just by nature of, you know, population growth by migration and birth that are obviously coming. Some of those people who were born 25 years ago, they're coming into the, you know, into the, into the marketplace to buy houses. First time, next second time, second homeowners, but first time, it doesn't matter. So if we're really looking at the same way, what's going on here? On one end, we're seeing sign of, of things going Badly. On the other hand, there's things that are going positively. If you're listening to this episode, we are almost mid-November 2022. It has to be, you know, anchor in, in a certain period. Mid-November 2022, we are into this slowdown period uh, three or four months now. So we started slowing down probably mid-July, August, September, October, November. We are about four months into this slow down. Now, the way I look at it, both in the stock market and the real estate, you know, the biggest financial indicators, you know, probably what we're seeing is that 
there is a correction. Things went up like crazy in both of those categories, multi-companies and real estate. Things were going up and increasing in value. Companies, stocks, whatever. Not just during the, the COVID period, you know, phase, the last three-ish years, two and a half years. If you're actually looking back all the way to the uh, 2008 and nine, where a lot of things hit bottom in terms of value and prices, real estate and otherwise, since then, they were slowly started to turn around and come up. Real estate in the past, you know, for the most part at large, went up probably year over year, four to six, maybe four to eight percent, depending which market before COVID. So that means we have a consistency going up in value of four to eight percent um, from 2009 up uh, all the way to 2020 to COVID. COVID was like an accelerator. He took everything, you know, even faster. But let's put COVID years aside for a second because that's an abnormal situation. So even if we put that aside, although it does affecting us, what you're seeing is things going up like, you know, very high consistently for a decade. And then picking up the pace even more for two years or so. And now, guess what? The craziness has to stop a little bit. Something needs to happen in order to cool things off. And this is exactly what we're seeing. So are we seeing that markets are crashing? No. We're seeing that some properties, values, or asking price going down a little bit, right? We're seeing that, you know, stock market is correcting more aggressively, you know, maybe rightfully so, coming back to normal multipliers or a more acceptable multipliers. Um, we're seeing houses sitting longer on the market, not longer because it's not normal. They're just, we got used to putting a house in the market and within a day or two or three, it, it, it was under contract. Putting a house in the market and getting it under contract within two to three days, that's not normal. That's crazy. Okay. Normal is for a house to sit maybe a week. No, not even that. That's even short. Two weeks at least, three weeks at least, maybe two or three months until it, you know, it, gets, it, gets, it finds the buyer and then gets under contract. So anything less than maybe, I don't know, three weeks to a month, it's crazy short. And now we're seeing houses sitting a little bit longer, which makes sense. We just forgot this is normal. This is not different. This is normal. But we are so used to a crazy decade that anything different than that makes it look like terrible. So houses are the housing market is cooling off. And typically when things change, transition from one phase, financial phase to another, the first a little bit like a stop and then things, you know, relax a little bit. So first of all, it's like overwhelming and then we get used to, we get acclimated to the new, you know, transition or the new, new era of things. So right now, we are in a transitional period from crazy real estate, crazy economy. And before it becomes back to be some sort of a normal economy, let's just even say boring economy, we have to go through some uncertainty. <clears throat> and, and we first, before we stabilize on a 50 miles per hour speed, we were at 100 miles per hour speed. 
and we are normally want to be at a 50 mile per hour speed, but right now we kind of pass so aggressively, we are deaccelerating to only 20 miles per hour speed. And we will go up to 50, but it will take some time. How much time? I don't know, right? Nobody knows. But normally those things of transitioning from craziness, positive, to slowing down aggressively and then coming back and stabilizing somewhere in the middle, they normally take several good months for things to happen. Now, I want to talk about the real estate market, where it is the real estate market positioned as a positioning towards <coughs> a significant downturn. And this is just my interpretation. As many of you know or not, before the 2008 crash, a lot of the real estate market was control, a lot of the mortgages that were given out in the probably the decade or so leading to the crash of 2008, or maybe less than a decade, were very irresponsible lending practices, to say the least. Okay? We don't have to dive into the details. It just means that there was not proper procedures, underwriting, risk evaluation, and more and more and more. It's more complicated than just one-liner, which resulted with million of, millions of people owning real estate, but that should not be giving mortgage in the first place or who should not be giving the specific program, right? So it's more, obviously, it's more complicated. So, and that once rate adjusted, it became very difficult for a lot of people to pay. And that's what, in a way, a lot of these practices led into the recession of 2008, right? Again, everything is more than just a simple line here. Because what happened in the 2008 recession, government regulation, lending practices had improved or got stronger better lending practices, which resulted that since 2009 and 10 and, and forward, we are seeing more responsible borrowing and lending practices, more cash buyers in the marketplace altogether from foreigners, corporations, etc. And altogether the lending, the, the, the ground, the, you know, the lending ground or the leverage amount uh, right now, compared to the value of the asset, is extremely, or not extremely, but much <clears throat> lower ratio. That ratio also is resulting from the fact that real estate or properties significantly appreciated over the past decade plus, meaning that the person who bought or purchased the house maybe uh, maybe ten years ago or less or more. And along that 10 years or so have refinanced, still has a lot of equity, okay, case by case, but generally speaking, a lot of equity into the house, meaning that if that person purchased a house for 200000 10 years ago, and this house today worth 400 even 375 and his mortgage is 150 maybe not even that. So that means if that house drops from 375 to 325, 
this person still has 50% or more equity on the house, which if this person has to sell as a fire sale in, in order to avoid foreclosure, he can sell for 300,000 and still make money or still get be, be, you know, be well off, right? Again, things are not that always very clear cut, but I'm just saying to kind of uh, illustrate the, the, the situation. On the top of that, Many people in the past two, three years have refinanced their houses to extremely, super, extremely rare low rates. So on the top of everything, you have people that are hanging on to their houses and are not going to sell because the interest rate is so low and they would not let it go, both because who wants to let go of that such, such a small rate? And also, if you are thinking about selling and you're saying i'll sell one i'll sell mine which is a 2.5 2.75 interest rate and buy another house today i will pay six percent six and a half percent whatever exactly the rate the affordability of that house drops dramatically so that is disencouraging people to sell their houses and lose that opportunity or it's discouraging people to sell the house because they can't see how they will transition to another house. Does it mean people don't sell? No, it doesn't. Why? Because people have cash and people have to sell because they're moving, downsizing, upsizing, moving across the country, whatever. Life happens, right? Sales still take place. But there are many people who are just saying, wait, why would I sell? Okay. I was thinking that I'm an empty nester now, and by this time I would sell my house and buy something else smaller maybe move to arizona whatever right i won't tell you i'm not gonna do it why because right now the plan i had for me moving to arizona buying this 2000 square foot home for four hundred thousand, it will eat into my retirement it will eat, it's not gonna it's not cost benefit i'll wait it's not like i'm suffering here in my you know i don't know Southern California home, I can wait, right? Whatever, you know, um, you know, people live and they can just wait for another year or two or three and just delay the, the plan. So we are having a situation where if you think of real estate, where we are, real estate is in a healthier state compared to the 2008 altogether, cash, value, equity. Real estate is even, people will probably even anchor down even more because of those crazy low interest rates. You're not going to release them that quickly. People, uh, you know, um, builders are slowing construction, which means they're not going to be a lot of the supply and demand, you know, force of the economic, basic fundamental economical force still at play <coughs> where there's high demand for housing and low supply, and it's not getting any better, right? If builders are not bringing you know, properties into the marketplace and sellers are gonna delay, right? That means things are gonna, you know, inventory is gonna suffer. Put on that the fact that interest rate is relatively high and people are, their affordability index went down, so they can't buy what they, what they were looking to buy because it's gonna be more expensive for them at the moment. A lot of those people will actually become renters. So 
as an investor, for me, all I'm hearing is almost a rare opportunity because supply and demand, you know, so the marketplace is slowing down. There are opportunities in the marketplace, but buyers are not necessarily coming because of the affordability. People will need to rent. Right now, it's almost a perfect storm because right now people are looking and saying, I'm going to wait and do nothing. I will rent. I will do absolutely, or maybe I will just do nothing. As an investor who's been investing in real estate for 20 years, I have noticed over the 20 years I've been doing this, in times of uncertainty, people tend to sit on the sideline and wait. But if I look closer, I saw that in times of uncertainty, there's always other players in the markets who exploited, who realized that while people are in an uncertainty and doing nothing, it's time to go in and maybe going aggressively and exploit that rare opportunity. They don't come very frequently and buy real estate. Now, if you're buying cash, easy, right? You just buy cash. You don't care about the interest rate. If you're buying with a mortgage and you're saying, what, wait, this is crazy. Interest is so high. Cash flow will suffer. I agree. But if you are an investor <coughs> and you are not a short-term investor, take a bigger perspective. Don't look at your property for the next year or two. Take a look at the next 10. If you have an opportunity to buy a $350,000 home, for 300,000 ish, meaning 20, 30, 40,000 below its market value, you already built in the gap of interest rate into your equity. You just shifted cash flow and transferred it into equity. Not only that, you got a little bit of a hedge or hedging against the economy. If things will slow down, go down, you already have some built in equity into your home. And you're doing it not in times that buyers are coming back to the markets because buyers will come back to the market. They will come back to the market. You're doing it in times that buyers are not, you know, strong players and it's shifting towards buyer's market. So instead of going out there and trying to bid on houses with minimum competition, if any, and I'll talk about that in a second, you have an opportunity to go to that house that's been sitting there for a month and offer 10%, 15%, maybe even more below its asking and possibly get it. Is it a guarantee that someone will, will sell you 5, 10, 15, 20% below? Not at all. But how would you know if you can or cannot if you don't even try? Give it a shot. If you're an investor, this is for us like being in a candy shop. I'm going to try by, I'm going to put out here, see those 10 properties here? I'm going to go and make aggressive offers on all 10. I don't care if I don't get nine. I only want one. Which one? They're all equally good. Yeah, one is, <clears throat> they're all equally good for me. As an investor, I am not picky like a homeowner. Homeowner wants this street or not that street. The house facing this north and not south. You know, this thing. And as an investor, a lot of those things homeowners care about. We care less. It's not that we don't care, but do I really care as an investor if the house is facing west or north, or if the one of the bedroom is 
only 90 square feet instead of 120 square feet. Yeah, of course, we, we would to a certain extent, but we are less, we are looking at the property and saying, hey, I care about the schools, I care about the age, I care about the condition, I care about, you know, the, the, the house being suitable for what I'm trying to do. A lot of those little items, I care less, or I can find ways how to mitigate. I have a business perspective. So as an investor, if you're looking to buy and you're buying with a mortgage, ask yourself this, this question. If you think, if you're looking at a property and you're analyzing the cash flow based on the current interest rate, let's call it six and a half, seven percent and cash flow is practically breaking even, maybe even a little negative. How would this house perform if you have, if your interest rate was four and a half or five? Check it out. If you don't know, just check that out. We do it all the time. And then I ask myself, do I believe that in the next two to four years, there's a very high likelihood that the interest rate will go down by one or one and a half percent? <clears throat> and then that would be the answer. Now, I don't know to answer your question. I personally do believe that, right? And that's why I can look at the property and saying, okay, I'm going to have two to four tough years cash flow wise, but A, I'm mitigating on equity because I'm making a, you know, a low offer. And B, I believe that in two to four years, I will have the opportunity to <clears throat> refinance and get a lower rate. Now, by the way, don't get discouraged or scared if you're listening to me and my, my, my way of thinking. And the next time the Fed is talking to us, they're raising the rate again, maybe. Don't worry about it. Wait. Be patient. If you think that the rate will stay where it is right now for the next 10, 15, 20 years, then maybe you should wait. Sit aside. I'm okay with it that you're sitting aside. Maybe that means less competition for me. So I'm definitely okay with that. But I just want you to kind of think about things, not short term, or at least think about things about how you are conducting your investments that with how you go about investing altogether. What's your game plan? If you're a flipper and short term, all your decisions about your investment are probably going to look different than someone like me who's looking for long term, you know, rentals. If you're someone who's looking to do an Airbnb, and the expenses you're going to be having with your Airbnb are different, higher than the expenses I'm going to be having as a long-term rental, maybe the, the, the way you're looking at this is going to be different. Again, what's your game plan? So instead of just saying, no, yes, what's your game plan? How your game plan fits into today's economy? Every economy Every time there's a change in the economy, there is an opportunity. We just have to figure out how to identify it, how to evaluate it, and most importantly, <clears throat> to check if this opportunity is a good fit for me, right? For you, for every one of us. There's not a yes, there's not a wrong way to go about it. There's not a, sorry, there's not a correct way or the wrong way. There's only one way, your way. Your way is going to be different than my way. It's going to be different than David's way and John, right? So keep that in mind. It's very, very important. But at least what I'm trying to say 
is as investors, you probably want to not necessarily stop and sit on the sideline. This is an opportunity. How would you feel if in February or March of 2023, when you actually realize it's been six months, seven months into this correction slowdown period and no catastrophe is happening and buyers are stepping back into the <coughs> real estate market, and you're like, oh my God, I should have bought in November or December of last year when there was like this hiccup and now more buyers are coming in. Why do I think buyers were, you know, may come back in? Well, guess what? If the economy stays like, like it is right now, people will see the catastrophe. And again, I don't know if that will happen, but we'll see that this is not a catastrophic, you know, situation. And guess what? People eventually get acclimated or get used to the new interest rate or the higher uh, higher interest rate well it's no longer higher this is the new standard it, compared to what we used to have a year ago it's higher but that's the new norm lenders will step up and will say we have a new program for you we're already seeing that by the way we will discount you here we will help you there some ways to mitigate the higher interest rate so there will definitely be some marketing programs lending programs <coughs> to help you and eventually people will say oh you know okay things are slowing down they're not crashing the economy is still going strong housing is not is actually still in high demand maybe it's an opportunity for me to come back and when you say to yourself 10 other people are saying to themselves we may end up finding ourselves in a period where there's more competition. Now, lastly, what I wanna, I wanna, um, in order to help you, not just have a theoretical conversation or philosophical conversation. Here are a few things that I think everyone should ask themselves and help in order to help them make a determination what they should be doing. First of all, I just want to make sure, remind you that real estate or U.S. real estate is not one thing. Nashville or Metro Nashville can behave completely different than Metro Orlando. And New York can help, will or behaves differently than L.A. or San Francisco. Keep that in mind. Don't ask what's going on in real estate. Ask what's going on in New York, what's going on in San Francisco, etc. Next thing I want you to ask yourself is what kind of an investment you're looking to do, specifically rental, residential, commercial, triple net, you know, um, apartment building, um, self storage, Airbnb. You know, look at that plan, and from that plan, ask yourself a good time, bad time, you know. Can I find a property that fits into this, this game plan that I have in mind? So it's not real estate investing. You have to take it down, not just one level, but probably five levels to say, okay, what is the right, how is, what's the right way for me to buy a long-term rental property, you know, for traditional rental, family, whatever, these days, or where, okay? Instead of saying real estate at large. Um, and lastly, 
really sit down and think about your key game plan. If you're buying a long-term rental, what's your horizon? How long are you going to hold it? If you're buying an Airbnb, what's your planning? How long are you going to hold it? Where are you buying it? What will happen if you can't Airbnb it? For example, if you're buying a flip, same thing. You're buying a flip. What are you planning on doing it? What happens if you can't sell it, etc.? So all of those things need to really come, and there's more, into your <coughs> game plan. And instead of keeping it on a philosophical level, which is fine for it's fine to have this conversation, discussion about the real estate, U.S., interest rate, inflation. That's fine. But at some point, you really have to take it down a notch or two or three and say, okay, is this the right property for me versus this one? Which, which of those two are going to fit into my, my game plan? Or how can I make this property fit into my game plan and because the way it's presented right now, it's not a good fit. But if I do the following, it may be. So those are the kind of things that I want to help you think about. You know, create some clarity, create some, create some correct thinking. Life are not black and white. People tend to say, oh, economy is slowing down, I'm out. It's okay. You know what? It's very, very much okay. I like it that a lot of people are saying it. You know what? When people are saying it, that gives others the opportunity. I love it. Where are you? So my question to you is, where are you on that do or not do at the moment and why? And I would love to hear from you here in the comments or send me a, a message. I would love to hear what you're saying. Where are you right now and why? I'll be really interesting, super curious to know if you decided to sit down and wait, what are the reasons? I would love to hear that. Thank you very much for taking the time and listening and lasting 40 minutes <clears throat> or just about with me about this conversation. Your feedback is appreciated. And of course, if you are interested in investing and you're not sure about where and what and maybe have all those things I mentioned, but you're having a hard time solidifying them or clarifying them to yourself, <coughs> excuse me, Get in touch with us. Send us, a, you know, send us an email. Send us a Facebook message. Whatever. If you can find us any, everywhere, of course. We will set up a time to speak in an intimate environment. Explore those ideas. And hopefully provide you with some answers and directions. And I promise you, when we speak to our potential clients, investors like yourself, it's not about the sales pitch. It's about having a conversation to get to some clarity and by clarity, answers and by answers, execution. Maybe executing is doing nothing for you, which I have definitely told. I had a conversation this week with a lady and I told her, dear, dear, <coughs> dear lady, you're very nice. I'm excited that we're finally getting to speak after a long time of kind of going back and forth. But honestly, we are not a good fit for you for what you're trying to do based on the conversation. And basically, I told her we would not be able to assist her according to what she is trying to accomplish in her life right now. <clears throat> and those are the type of conversations we are having with investors to kind of see if it's a good fit to help you, not me, to help you determine should you invest or not 
And should we be the ones helping you or not? I hope to hear from you via comments or via answers or to my question or maybe getting in touch with us. Thank you very much. Have a terrific rest of your week. And I'm signing off right now. Thank you for listening to Danny Bate Orr from Simply Do It. Bye-bye, everyone.